One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. For the first time the ever. First time ever. In the same space. This is a very, very, very special day on goat season, right? It is. First time ever we're recording in the same space, in the same temporal reality. Yeah, no time dilation involved. No time dilation. None of that. <laughs> this is wild. Dude. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've recorded this podcast over Zoom since... It's inception. It's inception since the pandemic. Yeah, very strange. It's been two, what, a year, a year and a half? Going on two years? Yeah, yeah, Oof. going on two years. But then we realized that when we're actually in the same room together, we're not friends anymore, so this is very awkward now. Yeah, I don't like this podcast anymore. Nope, nope it's terrible. Yeah, it's bad. We, don't, we shouldn't do this anymore. Okay, okay, actually, before we get into shit, because we have so much, there's so much that I want to talk about. So much I'm excited about talking about today, dude. But before that, I have to show you something, something very important that happened in television. The fans have demanded it. Oh, no. So are you familiar with Stephen Bochco? Does that name ring any bell? The last name sounds familiar. Yeah. So I'm sure you've seen his name in a bunch of credits before. Mm -hmm. But this dude was a huge figure in television becoming more serious, more grounded, having more realistic performances, more sort of cinematic filmmaking techniques behind it as well. Uh, He did a a cop show, a police procedural in the late, mid to late 80s, I want to say, called Hill Street Blues. That was like a landmark show in terms of its realism, in terms of sort of the grit and the subject matter. And I remember the performances that title, too. yes. Yeah. And then shortly after that, 
in the early 90s he created nypd blue yes which again was like that's a, a landmark television show landmark show completely like pushed the envelope for network tv another show that really uh changed the medium and i think sort of like paved the way for prestige tv for pay cable shows mm-hmm. now between those two shows oh no he created another show oh no also a police procedural oh, no. in the 90s. What's it called? I'm not going to tell you what it was called, oh, but I'm going to say it was revolutionary. I'm going to regret this. And uh, we're going to watch a clip from it okay. right now. Is <laughs> it all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we go. What is this? Kind of Mulder and Scully-ish looking couple yes. here, you know? Yeah, is this Bill Nye the science guy? <laughs> he looks a lot like Tom Kenny from yeah. Mr. Show. Anybody would be. This is a big step. Becoming parents? No. Becoming a family? No. What we're nervous about is going through you. We wouldn't want to get in any trouble. Is this an adoption agency? Could I stay in business doing what I do if people got in trouble? What? An outdoor adoption agency. What is this? It's very serious, though, so far. They're going for an early 90s kind of neo-noir procedural thing. It's what I'd have to call an optimum situation. Young mother, kid in her teens, smart enough to realize that she's not ready for the responsibility of bringing up a brand Phil is just what in the baffling by what's happening. Oh, yeah. Let's keep going. Oh, yeah. Caucasian child, two weeks old. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. That prime merchandise. Are they are they buying a child on the black market? Some 90s, like, Law and Order style no. music coming in. What in the world? No. Okay, no. Okay, turn this off. <laughs> No, 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 no. you have to wait for the chorus. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. What in the world? <laughs> and it's still being no, covered like still... it's a TV I drama. He's the only one singing. I don't understand this. None of them are weirded out by this at all. No. All right. Shut it down. <laughs> shut it down. A baby merchant. That's the chorus. No. Turn this off. No. No. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. Wait. You don't think they should have continued this? You don't think this should have been allowed they need to continue? To wa- this couple needs seasons? to walk away. No. No. I hate this. Is this is a soulful performance. I hate this. <laughs> I forgot that we'd already traumatized Phil. Oh this no! We showed him Hereditary, and I think he's more disturbed. I'm more right disturbed now. by this clip than I am by the entire film. <laughs> no, I can't. No, I can't. All right, I can't watch the rest of this. I refuse on principle. I refuse. He's just looking away. I would too. <laughs> And I love that she's still giving this still dramatic giving this performance. Yeah. <laughs> like she's like, oh my god, I really want to be a parent though. But this seems just ethically this dubious. This is a step too far for this, <laughs> this woman. <laughs> oh. 
He just uh, gestured to make a pregnant stomach yeah. on his own stomach. Yeah, while he's singing. Because he's he's the baby merchant. <laughs> Where did you find this? Oh. Wait, how did you find this? Uh, this this came courtesy of Blue. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, okay, no, just we're done. You're really getting into no, it. No, no, this is a clip. No, I'm not watching. No, we're not doing it. No, we're not we're watching the whole. No, episode. we are not watching this whole episode. I don't believe the baby merchant returns after that. Unfortunately, he, that is one of the worst things I've ever seen on television. But yes, that that is a show entitled Cop Rock. It starred Ronnie Cox and Vondi Curtis Hall. Everyone behind the scenes was were people who went on to NYPD Blue immediately after that. I mean, we're wow. talking Emmy winners. Like, Stephen Botko, that dude could not miss wow. in the late 80s. And oh. so he was just like, I'm going to make my musical. Oh. How <laughs> like, many episodes did that run for? I think it ran for like 12. Oh, it did like no. a, a full like half That's season order. 13 too yeah. many. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love that that dude had a complete TV blank check and he's like, I'm following after Scorsese and Coppola. I'm making the musical that might ruin my career. Oh. And yes, every single episode of this cop drama includes song. multiple songs. Oh my God. No. <laughs> and it's pretty much all that like blue eyed soul, like white man funk with like early 90s instrumentation. Randy Newman wrote a bunch no, of songs for it. No. <laughs> he also performed the theme song. I hate this. Isn't it incredible that I that exists? Hate, no, it's not Can a good thing. you fucking believe that no, that happened? I don't like any of that. This made my stomach sick. <laughs> I just want to go to bed now. Phil has had so much trauma inflicted on Ladies and gentlemen, in I've had so hours. much trauma inflicted on so me. So much. Within the last 12 hours, mm -hmm. I've watched Hereditary. And, and I just one saw scene, scene from, Cop, from Rock. Cop Rock. That's a lot. That's that's more than the human brain should have to process. I'm going to have to go to bed. I, to, I need a nap. <laughs> I need a nap. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Are we, are we doing this? Let's do it. Let's okay. do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Goat Season. Phil is so defeated right now. I'm so now. defeated right now. I can't even get through the intro. <laughs> I am shook. He's got a thousand yard stare. Yeah. So, that was so bad. <laughs> I can't get through this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Coach Season. We are so happy to have you with us. This is a podcast about the greatest individual seasons of television, their most memorable episodes, and their creative teams, both in front of and behind the camera. I'm Phil Mitchell, and along with me is my professional torturer, Mr. Alex Sinesi. Hey, Alex, how are you doing? What's up, man? Nice to be in the same room. In the same space. The I still can't get over it, dude. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. It yeah. is wild. The dynamic really hasn't changed at all. No, I'm realizing at all. right away. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. This this makes total sense. We Perfect. Just sense. remote this all the time because it's the exact same dynamic. Yeah, yeah. you really yeah. threw me with that clip. I just want to say, <laughs> I don't know what to do right now. I was now. thrown. Yeah. I was thrown. When I, I, it's one of those things where you uncover some previously mysterious corner of history and you're yeah. like wait we went down this mm -hmm. evolutionary dead end for a little bit like this actually happened you know yeah we built like indoor plumbing and then we went back to like stone age exactly. like looking up at the aqueducts and wondering what giants built them terrible that's that's like cop rock after it really uh, is. hill street blues after you hill know? street blues yeah. it's like oh we did twin peaks fantastic sure. yeah, but let's yeah. also do cop rock <laughs> 
we did Miami Vice, you know? We made police procedurals look as cool and fashionable as possible. So what if Let's we just them, do the as uncool absolute as opposite? Yeah. Yes. Let's just make them intolerable. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Oh, my God. All right. Just, we just the casting on? of the baby merchant, too. Uh, he looks like he really does. He's got kind of a Bob Saget type of look he to does, it. He well. does, yeah. 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 More malevolent Bob Saget is a good call. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that that's, that's the standard look of your baby, of your merchant. baby merchant. I am not I am I am not well on the inside right now. <laughs> Phil is a broken man. I really am. Oh man. Whew. Okay. So today on Goat Season, we are pulling in another installment of Are You Current? Yeah, are you are current? current? Are you current? Are you current? current? I'm never current, as I admitted. And nor am I. Nor, nor is Alex. I'm less current than usual, honestly. Really? Okay. All right. <laughs> this is probably not a good time to be doing this. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, we're just going to do this. But we do this. It's it's a palate cleanser. It's a wrap up to our season on Cowboy Bebop, which honestly was so enjoyable to talk about. I'm still just kind of running off the high of that show. And, Absolutely. Uh, before we get into the next one it's uh just a chance to kind of like take stock of uh the state of the union in tv what we've been watching what we've been enjoying yeah. you know it's it's a laid-back episode absolutely it's, it's, these uh, are I, these are some of my favorites to be honest oh with you. yeah this is the one i look forward to the most even though i'm so excited to get into the next show and then once you're in it you know you're doing the the nuts and bolts work of just like moving through the season but it's like that are you current is the the dessert at the end you Absolutely. know it's the prize it's those little fireworks that go off when mario jumps up and he grabs the very top of the flagpole <laughs> at the end you know of a side scrolling like level there you go I like that that's it that's it as always, we are doing just taking stock, taking inventory, discussing with each other the TV shows that we are most interested in, the ones that we've been watching. You and I have a really hard time not not talking with each other about these shows. That's true. Right? Yes. And so like this is our time to just like blather about and talk about the TV that we are most excited about. This is a good time. Exactly. I, I love this. It is difficult not to get into all of this off mic, though, because, yes, most of our conversations are just thinly veiled podcast episodes anyway. And it's like, hmm, we're kind of wasting it not recording this. It is you know? a problem. We got to make that content, dude. We do. We do. <laughs> got to keep that churn going. All right. So we will be doing a little... I mean, this is going to go back a little ways because, I mean, just at the rate at which you and I were talking with one another. Yeah. We're going all the way back to probably like June. Oh, this is yeah. like a good early, early, 2022, early 2022. Probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, so most of what I'll be talking about will be shows that I've watched since June of 2022. And I know okay. you've got a few that go back even further. Oh, so. yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, shows that we've just wanted to talk about. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that one of us was catching up on mm -hmm. or what have you. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's going to be all over the place. But, uh, you know, it's also just us being like, God, there's been so much awesome tv yeah lately, and it's a chance to kind of run the boards on that so i mean let's go ahead and just talk about the show that we both wanted to discuss yes and it's fx is the bear yes which i think was the sleeper hit it's the sleeper I, I hit that so. then became yeah. like the show of Truly. like uh show of the summer everyone sleeper was talking hit about that it might have turned into an actual, actual like hit. mainstream mm -hmm. crossover hit mm -hmm. which for a show with you know, not any like super recognizable actors. Mm -hmm. I mean, people knew Jeremy Allen White from Shameless, Shameless. but 
that was about it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this show caught fire just on the basis of you have to watch it. You have to watch it's it. So it's fucking good. So good. Yeah. 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 So I mean. The Bear, a great television show. Uh, it's Jeremy Allen White coming back to Chicago and picking up and managing his recently deceased brother's sandwich shop. Yeah, I think the character he plays is Carmi, Carmen Berzado. Yeah. Um, and he is supported by this ragtag group of chefs with these different great personalities. They're all mysterious. They are, um, they're slippery. They yeah. are uh, prickly. At times, sometimes they're just outrageous. Mm -hmm. They're innocent. Like they all, all of these characters, I wanted to know so much about each of them. Yes. And yet was like still satisfied with like the little bits of characterization um, that were punched into each script. And so I, I don't, I've got no criticisms about this show. Oh no, no. In fact, it's great. I would go so far as to say, I think we might have to consider doing season one as a goat season before mm, season before two season comes two out. comes out because wow. i am that confident whatever season two does and i i imagine it will be very good mm -hmm. i think season one already is a goat wow, i honestly okay. do okay. i think it's one of the best seasons of television yeah, i've ever. ever seen yeah i mean two days ago i watched the pilot and the second episode again and i was like that is one of the best pilots mm -hmm. ever mm -hmm. i think that that's fair yeah um, i would not argue with you there i mean i think the casting great jeremy allen white transforming himself for this role in shameless he was kind of the dopey mm -hmm. younger brother who had sensitivity to him who you could tell there was more going on under the surface but in this show he's this live wire of incredible intensity of incredible focus he's done this like strange workout where his like forearms only are like really mm -hmm. like huge he's like just has swole forearms he looks like popeye basically oh dude but, wait uh, i mean his biceps are off the chain but Let's it's just, just like honest. it's that i've just been working in a kitchen with my hands yes constantly mm -hmm. in intense pressure for the past 10 years mm -hmm. that's exactly how he looks mm -hmm. it's kind of cool too because he comes from this michelin star restaurant like he was working at in the kitchen of the french laundry mm -hmm. in new york before he came back to run this sandwich shop and he just cannot bring down that gordon ramsay level of intensity yeah he cannot stop yeah. like it's like possessed him Oh, and yeah. he yeah everything about that character is like you said live wire just riddled with anxiety and also with grief that mm -hmm. he's unable to process until like maybe the very end of the show i think he's great i love io edibiri um as Io's incredible yes, on this so is, this is one yes. thing and i'll just go ahead and say this about the show this is one of the best examples of representation that I've ever seen in a television show. Yeah. This show just has the people that you expect to be in it and they're all portrayed with a like a good amount of just like decency, humanity. None of them are perfect. They're not noble. They're not jerks either. Like they're not all one thing. Like these are all very complicated people. And the show loves And the show all loves of them. all of them. Yeah. Yes, I really yeah. like that. This show loves the characters that it's bringing to the table. It literally really does. Yeah, it's invested so much in them i mean io it's funny i was a really big fan of her podcast iconography and if you ever listen to that pod she is 
just the biggest nerd and the biggest ball of energy. She's hilarious. She's just just a menace to her co-host, <laughs> Olivia Craighead, who's wonderful as well, but is the more centered and level-headed of the two. Mm. And uh, I just so appreciate her. I appreciate everything that she brings to that. But then on the bear, she's playing this much more buttoned up and sort of patient person who is weathering a storm basically and knows that she doesn't deserve to weather a storm but she's in the middle of it anyway because she has like long-term goals eye on the prize type stuff Mm -hmm. and uh it's just funny how different her character is Mm -hmm. from her real life persona and it just made me instantly like appreciate her performance all the more i i really like the dynamic between carmen and sydney and it, it felt to me like watching it felt like watching don draper and peggy olsen oh all over again. yes yeah definitely just like a millennium yeah. a millennial version of that mm-hmm. that pairing and i loved it for sure um, Definitely want to talk about uh, Eben Mossback. I mean, go ahead. Too. Go I ahead. Mean, this character. Richie? This guy, how can you not love Richie? Richie? That, exactly. How can you not love this piece of shit? <laughs> this absolute <laughs> bastard who it's must terrible. be a nightmare for everyone around him at all times, who is so miserable, who is so angry, who is so hair trigger, who is so ready to blame everyone around him for everything happening constantly Mm -hmm. and yet it's something about the fact that it's all right there on the surface with him and you know how he's gonna react and you know that he has such a limited (laughs) sort of range of potential reactions of potential ways to solve a problem he's just either gonna hit something or just like scream at you right or fire off a weapon. And in an odd way, it it makes him very, very strangely endearing. And the show also does a lot of work to dig into how sad of a person he really is and how, yeah, there is just so much like lingering resentment and disappointment that's just been buried now under layers of just angry impulse. And uh, he's, he's incredible. He's an actor I wasn't really familiar with before this. And watching this, I'm just like... This guy is taking what could be kind of a one-note sitcom character and transforming him and making him just so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also really liked the actress who played Tina, who is uh, Lisa Colon Zayas. Yeah. Who I think is married to, like, she's a, a great actress yeah. in her own right. I love what she brings to Tina, which is just this, like, this prickly, but also, like, right under the surface, just, like, really warm human being mm-hmm. this like really vulnerable human being yeah and she's she's fa- ah i i really like that character just from the beginning when she just pretends to not be able to speak english <laughs> yes. and just like all the way to the end where you know she is bought into like the idea of being part of this team i love that character arc and i d- also did not know that she was married to david zayas who is uh, oh, angel shit. batista on right. dexter yeah. yeah she was actually on just one episode of dexter okay yeah yeah but seen. she she popped up in a lot of prestige tv across the 2000s i'm seeing she just has uh credits going all the way back uh working actor but i mean she she took this opportunity and is incredible in it oh she, okay she was on svu for a while okay okay yeah okay but, I, I can uh, see that, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, this is such a fantastic role for her, though. And she's wonderful. Yeah. As you say, she's she's this character who just comes in and she has such authority where even as intense and focused and obviously like skillful as Carmi is, you know, the first thing she says to him, she walks up and is like, you cut vegetables like yeah. a bitch. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, shit, yeah. you're not getting anything, not by, getting this anything by this woman. And not yeah. only that, but like if it came down to a fist fight. She would beat up Carmi. Oh yeah, no, Hands she, down, she, she would, would him claw his eyeballs Thanks. out, and he would be fucked. <laughs> Literally anyone in this kitchen, I would not bet money no. against. Tina wins against everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved Lionel Boyce, who I yeah. had previously been familiar with just as like Odd Futures MC. He was just like their Is master really? of ceremonies who would introduce like a production or a music video or something. He would just kind of be up front, just bullshitting and like he essentially would come out and like roast everybody I before did not they performed or that. something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's so great as Marcus, and Marcus is, like, maybe the most sympathetic character on the whole show. Absolutely. Because in the middle of all of this chaos, in the middle of all the incredibly fast-paced, high-stress anxiety of the kitchen, he's the one guy who is so in love with his craft and will not change his pace for anything else going on. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to make his donut perfect and it does not matter what insanity is happening mm-hmm. around him what fires need to be put out he's focused on his his art give that <laughs> man the great. donuts yeah give that man the donuts it's, that's all i gotta it's say it's beautiful oh, oh man love yeah. that show i i mean if you're down i would love to come back and like dig into every single episode because i feel like every single one has so much going on mm-hmm. and it's so worth talking about um and then the finale Which is i great. won't even get into it too much but this show pays off in ways that i never had even expected like i i had never even thought that they were setting up so much and that they were going to give us such resolution and give us such a satisfying turn of events in the plot that affects all the characters i would have been happy if it was just slice of life stuff Mm -hmm. all the way through sure yeah and then it gave you more than you're expecting yeah i I think it's it's pretty obvious once you watch it all the way through that they were anticipating, like, we may not have the opportunity to make a second season. Right. And so, as a first season, it is a complete story, I think. Yeah. Am I excited to see what comes next? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Love it. Yeah. That showrunner, Christopher Storer, he had previously been mostly a producer. He produced Bo Burnham's movie, The Eighth Grade. He produced that show, okay. uh, uh, Raimi, on... Hulu, I believe. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I've not seen that, but yes. I haven't either. I've heard it's excellent, though. And uh, then he took over the show, and he's not just producing it, but he's also directing, directing yeah. a, a large number of the episodes. And um, yeah, I, I just got that impression, too, that it was like he was so excited about this idea, but he had no idea if anyone would watch it, if it would get more than a single season order. And so he just put all of his energy into it. And kind of not unlike the first season of The Sopranos. It's just a guy being like, this is my passion project. I don't care if anyone watches it. I'm just going to make the exact thing and treat it like a vacation from all my other TV work. And then if it doesn't go forward from there, you know, whatever. And of course, that's exactly the show that captures people's imaginations. I mean, look, we can talk about the fact that they did a one-shot episode review. This yeah. the whole episode is one continuous <laughs> shot and the just the tension gets ratcheted up moment by moment by moment yeah. 
And I think that's just like a great exercise in choreography. Like it when you realize, I think the first time I watched it, I did not, I did not even catch that that was what was happening. Yeah. Until maybe it took a while. It took into a while the into the episode because it's so it's so breathless. well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that episode feels like it's about five minutes long yes. when it's over. Yep. It's such a rush. Yep. Yeah, that that might be the episode of the year. Honestly, I I might have to call it already. All right, yeah. Alex, throwing we'll down see. the gauntlet we'll already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, I've, I've got some other stuff to okay, catch up okay. on. So yeah, it's possible, you know. Okay, for that now that is my pick for the best episode of TV of the year. Okay, for sure. Yeah. All right, yeah. More you want to say about that or no, man? I mean, oh, um, I'll just bring it up since I just finished it last night. I just watched the final episode. I know you've seen it and have enjoyed it and uh it's another just like absolute tour de force of television directing it's so inspired it, it's so obviously made with love and that's uh season three of barry yeah which uh premiered this year long delayed yeah. it was supposed to be shot and released in 2020 and the pandemic pushed it back two, two years. years yeah oh wow okay. and uh Bill Hader said that was hugely helpful for them because he ended up actually writing all of season four in his downtime so that when they started production on three, he could actually go back and see then things that would happen in the season to come. Oh, cool. And that's very interesting just because of all of the insane shit that happens with the characters in this season. It's like, how dark is season four going to be? Yeah, I have no... I'm not even sure if I want to see what happens in season four. It was so upsetting. <laughs> it's really so upsetting. gnarly. It's yeah. just like it was miserable yeah. and unflinching the entire way through. What, what did you say to me yesterday? You, you put it so well in terms of the genre of the show. I said it was a horror. Like it, it felt yeah. just like a horror show at this point. Yeah. And I think that's what I said. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. It's it bait and switched from comedy, comedy straight to all horror. the way to horror. Yep. And not horror comedy like no. pure intensity and disturbing shit and soul excoriation Mm -hmm. yeah it's just despair all the way through Mm -hmm. yeah that that first episode when that hit and i just i couldn't believe how bleak the tone of it was and maybe 20 minutes in noho hank finally comes in and tells the first joke of the episode and it made me laugh so hard but it was also such a strange relief and then a feeling of wow i've been in this incredibly dark place with this show that was really fun up until this point they are really not compromising on the tone at all not at all yeah yeah Uh, i believe the joke was when he's like like they say in the shawshank redemption (laughs) get rich or die trying (laughs) (laughs) it's just just beautiful anthony kerrigan he continues to be that guy is amazing funny and love that character his his delivery is incredible it is yeah it's so casual and almost naive (laughs) and almost like just willingly naive about like what is going on in the world around him like he knows there's just bad stuff but he's just kind of like i'm just gonna throw in some malapropisms and like you know have a nice drink and maybe like eat some candy and i'm okay (laughs) And he does, he bounces back and forth between very strange pop culture malapropisms and like gangster shit, yeah. but it's delivered with the mentality of like a an excited child. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's got the Parks and Rec theme song mm-hmm. just like in his yes. brain at all times, but <laughs> he's like also murdering people. Right. He's sort of the Maggie Smith 
of this show in the same way that on mm-hmm. Downton Abbey, mm-hmm. she was that character who could be counted on to come in mm-hmm. and just absolutely annihilate mm-hmm. a great line at any time and just change the whole tone of a scene. Absolutely. That's that's pretty much him. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. And uh, Bill Hader continues to be incredible. This season really becomes very meta in terms of him having his uh, co-star, Sarah Goldberg, who plays Sally Reed, go through this entire situation where she is now the producer, head writer, and lead actor in her own show. And just showing the constant pressure, the constant compartmentalization that has to happen when you're doing that bizarre mix of roles and you're just getting like, oh, this is Bill Hader just talking about how fucking stressful Mm -hmm. this whole thing is Mm -hmm. through the actual show. Um, He has also another like great long take of this season of TV is uh, where Sally is walking through all of the various sets in the first episode and answering questions the entire time. And then she has to sit down and immediately be in character and in a scene with another actor after juggling all of these different issues. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. This is untenable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of that. And then I think, I think it's episode five, maybe Mm. crazy time shit show. I believe is the name like that with the, Like, I think that's one of the first times when you see Barry, like, how dangerous he is. Like, Mm -hmm. we know he's dangerous from the start, but it also seems like maybe he's a little bit tired. Like, he just seems tired in, like, the first season. He's tired, he's weary, but in this episode, he is alert, he is angry, he is very focused in his violence, and it's really upsetting to watch. Yeah, he's pretty scary. He's very in this scary season. in the season. The scene where he yells at Sally in the second episode too is mm-hmm. really yes. disturbing. Yes. His performance, he just uh clearly like held nothing back and you start to feel for the first time the effects of people living with someone who is constantly enacting violence mm-hmm. and how even just on a behavioral level and emotional level how damaging that could be. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, we're talking about the show in such heavy terms. We are, and it started as basically a pure comedy. I know it's, it's wild what happened, but oh. uh, I, I think this is probably my favorite season of it so far. I'd have to go back and watch the first two. I think it was between one and then three. I'd say at this point, yeah, because they're so different. They're the, they the opposite poles of the entire experience now. Although it was to the season with, gosh, I forget what it That's the season with Ronnie Lilly. The yes, Ronnie Lilly, exactly. Uh, the chase fight. Attack yes. between Barry and that yeah. Taekwondo master and yep. his daughter. That's a great episode. Still one of my favorite episodes great of the show, episode. too. And they do a lot of like really great extended set pieces mm-hmm. in this season as well, where uh, they're just having this elongated action sequence that goes through many absurd turns where everyday life just sort of reasserts itself and it's like oh yeah you have to deal with there being civilians around and how strange it would be to be in the middle of an action sequence in a supermarket or at a car dealership Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah more that you wanted to say about that really um i just wanted to shout out one more actor go right ahead Tom Allen, who plays Mitch, the beignet guy from Barry, (laughs) is such a wonderful character, such a, like, perfectly pitched performance. Uh, Just this 
really, really fucking chill-ass dude who could only exist in, like, Venice Beach, California, who makes the most popular beignets in the state. And uh, the dude is just a font of Buddha-like wisdom. Oh, yes. And it's so good. Oh, yes. That guy should just be a life coach. I mean, he can continue to do the beignet thing, but, like, he has clearly found his calling as a life coach. He definitely has. Love that. Just wanted to shout out the beignet That's a good one. Mm -hmm. You got to. I mean, speaking of shows, that take violence and put them in um, everyday situations and make them startling. I mean, yeah. you and I just watched the pilot of Snabacash. I know yeah. you have not finished it. Yeah. I watched the first two seasons. I binged them over the last month or so. You binged them English dub. English dub. From That's, a Swedish show. I was already in, man. I was already in. I didn't even care. I was like disassociating I just watching that I again. I haven't seen a live action dubbed modern show. I, it's been it's been a long time. For a you. long time. It's a okay. long time since I've watched anything contemporary live action that was dubbed in English. And it, it did break my brain a little <laughs> I bit. I mean, you know what? Yeah. I was just kind of like, this is so captivating for me. Yeah. I'm just going to watch it all the way through. I can tell though. I can tell even through the dubbing exactly what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. How compelling it is yeah and how every single moment is like filled with tension mm-hmm. about yeah what might happen what might happen yeah. and so i remember i was telling you about it last night yeah um and i remembered the show does remind me of a mix of the wire yes. and ozark it's oh, the wire and yep. ozark mm-hmm. set in an urban milieu and yeah it, it, it's great so i mean the show is it's a take on a television series. Actually, no, it's a movie. It's a movie written by Jens Lapidus, this Snabacash. Yeah, I think it was like a trilogy. It's written as a trilogy. Yeah, there we go. And then it was then turned into like a streaming TV show for Netflix. Um, And it follows Leia, who is uh, portrayed by Evan Ahmad. And then it's got a number of different characters surrounding her, some who are drug dealers and gangsters, uh, others who are businessmen who are like high finance. And it's about like this intersection between these two worlds and this woman who is in the middle trying to essentially emerge. And she's just trying to make a living for herself, for her child. Um, She's got her own tragedy that she is dealing with. Um, and so I, I love all of these characters, whether it's Ravy, the gangster, um, who's her brother-in-law, whether it's Nala, who is like Ravy's lieutenant, who is just fierce, who reminded me so much of Snoop the first time I saw <laughs> yes, her. Yeah, yes, like, I love definitely. all of this show yeah. um, so, so very much. Just from the first episode, something that struck me for sure, unlike The Wire, where I feel like everyone was so casual and quotidian and characters would just be so underplayed in a way that felt so realistic uh the thing with snabakash is everyone is charismatic Mm -hmm. on this show Mm -hmm. every single character is incredibly compelling and watchable and has so much just sort of like movie star energy radiating off them from the jump yep would you say that continues oh, absolutely. through? Absolutely. Yeah. Yo, like rave like oh man, I can't say but so much cuz I don't want to ruin it for you, sure. but I think you'll definitely enjoy this. It is easily digestible and you will just like blow your way through this. So, I am nice. excited to hear your thoughts on this show as it progresses because I think season 1 is very good. Yeah. And I would argue perhaps season 2 is possibly even a little bit better. Awesome. I think yeah. you'll enjoy it. Highly yeah. recommend. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Should we uh, get into the Rings of Power a little bit? I mean, I, we might as well. I've only Let's talk watched about these two rings. episodes where you've seen every single one except the finale, I have not finished right? it, yeah. Okay, yeah, so neither one of us has finished it, but I still feel like this is such, this is the most obvious event show that ever evented itself onto the major streaming networks. It's a show that so desperately wants to be the all-encompassing obsession of everyone and it's basically kind of willing itself into that position with this massive marketing apparatus it has through amazon like i remember there were a few weeks where every single amazon package that was arriving at my apartment complex was rings of power gift wrapped Mm -hmm. essentially just with like remember you can watch the show right now (laughs) we spent half a billion dollars on it so you better be watching but uh, i've i've been if not bowled over by it i've been pleasantly surprised by what it's getting right i think comparing it to the hobbit films i think it compares very favorably actually i think it captures the tone of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings much more successfully, I would say, than those movies did. And if the the storytelling feels a little more decompressed and weird, just in terms of covering so much time, covering so many appendices, so much of the Silmarillion, which is essentially like a history textbook. Yeah. So if it if it has some oddness structurally there i can forgive it that at least for just being like yeah we're gonna cover all of these totally unexplored corners of middle earth that hadn't been portrayed previously Mm -hmm. but um watching past the first two episodes uh what, what were your thoughts did you feel like the pacing improved, the characters became more compelling? I actually think that it got better as it progressed. Nice. I think that there are certain elements that might be a little bit of a turnoff. I think that there's certain... I think the Hobbit storyline is... All right, let me back up a second. Yeah. This show, in my opinion, it's absolutely fine. I think it gets way too much hate for what it maybe gets wrong. And I think also it's just... It's not perfect. Well, it had a ton of like preemptive hate it from did. like racists yeah. online yeah. which isn't even worth talking about talking but about like that. it was definitely one of those shows that was review bombed before it ever came out absolutely so it sort of came in with this weird almost like underdog reputation yeah. where it's like it's the biggest show ever yeah. on the biggest distribution platform in the history of mankind and yet it feels like a show that has something to prove yes. from the jump exactly which was interesting it was weird yeah um so it came in with this loaded like history obviously yeah i think yes it does get better once you get into episodes make maybe like three four and five there's some subplots involving i think the character elrond i forget the actor who plays his name so it's the friendship between elrond and i believe durin Um, and i think that that's actually a very well done storyline because it is about loyalty it's about loyalty and friendship and then how do you balance 
that friendship with one's loyalty to one's own history um, and one's own people and uh, traditions and customs. Yeah, I think that uh, that's Robert well Arameo okay. who plays Elrond. Elrond. Um, okay, yeah. He looks nothing like, like Hugo, Hugo Weaving. Weaving. Yeah, not at all. He's not the, at the all. character with the most visual dissonance mm-hmm. about him because he basically looks like a hunkier Jesse Plemons um, <laughs> <laughs> with a British accent. Yeah, and also I think he portrayed Ned Stark for one episode Oh, in Game yeah, of Thrones and I like remember. the duel at the tower, at I believe. Tower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. where I remembered him immediately from. Um, yeah. Whatever. And like he's perfectly fine, but I think like the way that that story is written is great. I think that they do certain things with other characters that are not as fun. I think you could make an argument perhaps that Galadriel is like maybe not the most interesting or like she's just she's rough. She's just rough around the edges. And I think that maybe that makes her like a hard protagonist to enjoy or or, or feel like any type of sympathy toward. But there's been plenty of difficult men in television as well that you don't necessarily have to like, but you can still be on the ride or be part of their journey along the way. I think the issue with her isn't even a likability thing so much as it's of all the characters, I think she suffers most from sort of the prequel problem where it's like you have a character who is on an arc of development that has a pre-established endpoint and the show has to back into it in ways that feel awkward and manufactured a lot of the time Mm -hmm. it's like you're having to see her be willful and tough before she settles into being wise and godlike and sometimes she's frustrating and you're almost like couldn't she just have been Kate Blanchett levels of exactly authoritative and intense and knowledgeable from the start. Mm -hmm. I almost would have rather they had done. I wish they had done that. that. I wish they had done that. I wish it had been like a little bit reversed where she's more Kate Blanchett and a little bit, Mm -hmm. just a little bit impulsive, a little bit off, a little bit more angry. Would have loved that. Yeah. But again, like I'm not like, all right, like this is what it is. I'm not going to get super bent out of shape over this. Yeah. There's also, I wanted to talk about another actor on it, Ismael Cruz Cordova, who plays Aaron Deer. Uh, uh, yes. I haven't even seen that much of his storyline yet. He's just been peppered in. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. He is uh, an elven ranger in the Southlands, yes. which will become Mordor. Yes. And this is all sort of in the stage and b- before that when they were inhabited by people and they seemed fairly idyllic and yet there were hints from the very beginning that things were about to go very wrong. I do think it's funny though watching him on this show because uh there was just so much racist backlash to this show before it came out. I think there were a lot of people reacting to sort of the increased diversity in casting which you know I I guess the one thing you could level at it is just like, does it feel too uh, apologetic for the Peter Jackson movies that were so lily white that they're like, we're going to have way more diversity as if it was always here. Right. But uh, I mean, I, I can't blame them for adding yeah, in more representation exactly. later. But I think this character I've heard basically no complaints about because he's just so hot. And it's like, it can't be denied. This dude is a fucking snack. It's like a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. And it's like, what the fuck could you argue with? And he also has the bearing of an elf better than almost any other character outside of like a handful in Mm -hmm. the original movies. Mm -hmm. Like he just has that weird, spooky, serene elfin vibe. And you're like, yeah, it fucking makes sense. Absolutely. You're just kind of like, this guy's not really... 
yeah. supposed to be here. He should be someplace else because he just right. does not fit. He should be in Valinor. Exactly. Exactly. Not be hanging out with these human beings. He should be across the sea. Exactly. So uh, I just I just really thought the casting of him was excellent because yeah. he totally embodies that feel. I think better than a lot of the other actors on the show I where it's like... Agree. The other elves, I don't know. They more seem like kind of bureaucratic, normal mm-hmm. fantasy characters. And with him, I get a bit more of that heightened mm-hmm. Tolkien-ish. Like these characters are almost demigods mm-hmm. or almost angels who got lost on the way back from Middle Earth or yep. something. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, you don't have to spoil anything. I'm not I'm not asking for specifics, but... Um, of course, we do have an Istari character on the show who oh. appears at the end of the first episode. Okay. And it's heavily, heavily hinted at yeah. that this character is Gandalf. Yes. I... Now, Go ahead. my personal theory, which may be completely wrong, but after watching two episodes, I am wondering if they aren't going to pull a fast one on us and reveal that this character is actually Saruman. I knew you were going to say yeah. that. I knew yeah. you were going to say that. Is that like the prevailing theory that's been batted around? Um, Am I just... Because I don't know what people are saying online. I, I think the prevailing theory... I disengaged theory, from the online discussion of this show as one should. very early. As one should, yeah. <laughs> yes. um, I think the prevailing thought was that this is either Gandalf or some version of Sauron. Oh. Not Saruman. Not yeah. Saruman, but mm-hmm. Sauron. Yeah. And I'm not going to say anything about it. Okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at yeah. that. But that's that's a pretty cool, pretty compelling little bit of uh, of lingering mystery. Yeah, and that going. was the early. I think that was like the early, early, early chatter online. Mm-hmm. I don't know like how it progressed through episodes two, three, and four, like week to week, because I also was not involved in the discourse <laughs> for obvious Good. reasons. Yes. Um, but yeah, that that was the general sense that I got. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously like an insanely well produced show. There's just uh, massive amounts of incredibly lovingly crafted production design everywhere to an extent that almost feels a little bit desperate to show off how much we've spent on the show. Yeah, I think the exteriors, fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think those work well, like in Middle Earth. I do not like Numenor. I don't like Numenor, and I don't think you maybe have seen enough of the show yet. I started the third episode, so I saw a bit of Numenor. Is Numenor the one that looks a little... It looks off. Yeah, and I think like the lighting in Numenor just does not look particularly great. But yeah. again, like I'd be curious to see your take on it because I don't want to. I don't want to pollute your thoughts with my own. Yeah, don't be polluting my thoughts I, over I pollute. here. I pollute. That's why I ruin things for people. You know, that's what I do. <laughs> no, no, you just notice the details, and you're like, "Come on, man! You had five hundred million dollars. You couldn't put a little a more little effort more, into just that come on. set you or that lighting this or something. Look just as good, yeah, or even better than Game of Thrones. Come on now, because Lord of the Rings is such a strange thing where like Peter Jackson really nailed this very particular, very sort of varnished and caked in mud kind of a high fantasy aesthetic that just sort of like never slipped from being totally believable. Mm-hmm. And, and you just, you never stepped back and felt like, oh, these are all people in goofy costumes saying made up words. Yep. Like the continuity of the reality of it is like one of the great achievements of that trilogy. Yep. And it's something that so many things, I mean, from Game of Thrones to The Hobbit to even this show since, I think really, really struggle to replicate. And yes. this show does a very good job most of the time, but you feel that at certain points where you're like, oh, this is just a little 
often feels a little more self-consciously like goofy fantasy mm-hmm. than it should. Than it should. I yeah. agree with that 100%. Yeah. Um, so that's a new show that is arriving in the fall. Yeah. Do you have any shows that are like spring, summer TV that you wanted to, to shout out? Yeah, I mean, I I would love to go back and talk about the Righteous Gemstones. Oh a little, yeah, since I, I have binged both seasons, and it is a fucking delight. What a show! It is so funny. Love it. It is so impressively made. Oh yeah, for a goofy comedy. Oh yeah, filled with ridiculous characters. They put so much love into every episode, you know. And I mean, uh, and the cast is just completely fucking stacked. Mm-hmm. You know, you got John Good. You have uh, creator and director Danny McBride, Edie Patterson. Edie Patterson. She is the. I mean, I would say she's the MVP of that show. She is the most hilarious character, the one who can just be deployed to add insanity to any situation. Exactly. There are certain shows where it's like you can take this character Mm -hmm. and then put them with someone else, and it becomes amazing. And so, like for Parks and Rec. I feel like it was Ron Swanson. Like, you could just toss him in with anyone. It's like, you have no idea what's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. And it's clearly Edie Patterson that you just toss in with any character. And it's like, oh, no. What's about to happen? Shit is about to go sideways in ways no rational human Like, can you imagine her doing anything with Keith? Oh, Keith, there's maybe, like, the heart of the show. Right? There's just the, like, quiet, soulful center of this show. <laughs> Keith is amazing. Keith is amazing. Yeah, and his uh, his rapport with Adam Devine is really good, too. Adam Devine, a, a person, you know, an actor who I feel like people might have mixed feelings about. Workaholics was uh, oh, yeah. definitely not my favorite show or anything like that. But um, I always felt like out of the group, he was definitely by far the most talented and the most charismatic one even though he was playing this sort of annoying uber bro character i kind of felt like he was the the charlie day of that show absolutely where he was the really talented and sympathetic guy who really burrowed into his character and and found compelling stuff and uh, as much as either one of them i feel like could be overplayed for their particular bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. Righteous Gemstones deploys him really well. Yeah. He really feels like the too cool for school, like Vans youth Warped pastor. Tour youth pastor. This is the thing too, which is yeah. they nailed the aesthetic mm-hmm. of contemporary evangelical Christianity. They did. That being like John Goodman with this very buttoned up, stereotypical daytime, Sunday morning, like pastor, 700 Club, Club, Pat Robertson. And then off in the corner is Adam Devine with his necklaces, his ripped t-shirt and jeans, and his beanie for the Lord, for Jesus. It's amazing. The beanie for Jesus. Yeah, I love all of that. Not to mention the whole Muscle Boys subplot. Oh, like I'm not going to get into, but it's amazing. It's an amazing, like, Shakespearean (laughs) tragedy. Uh, but uh, we haven't talked about maybe my favorite performance on the show, like definitely rivaling Edie oh, Patterson I and I know where you're going. one of the funniest characters. I mean, just an absolute tour de force performance from Mr. Walton. Guy. I knew you were baby going there, Billy. baby Billy. I mean, this guy, Oof. he has in the second season, I think the funniest scene of the year, which is the scene in which he pulls up. 
in his truck with his attached van that has a gigantic smiling printed picture of his face hawking some miracle cure and he basically tells off this pregnant girl who wants to start a life with him and then pulls out of the parking lot so violently <laughs> that he it turns the entire thing over and the product spills out all over the asphalt <laughs> and he just drives off <laughs> as if this hasn't even occurred <laughs> incredible baby billy yeah. i can't add to that i mean he's he's amazing he's such a good dramatic actor i know and the way that he embodies this southern preacher who you could imagine in any revival tent with that cadence, with that rhythm. Those teeth. <laughs> Those gleaming, gleaming white teeth. teeth. He is terrifying. <laughs> He's just got such a shark's grin. He does. Oh, it is menacing. He's so funny. Dude. Oh. Oh, I, how did God. you how do you think McBride got him? I knew that they had history because of like vice principles. Yeah. But like just how do you think those two connected? Because you're right, like Goggins is such like, I only knew him from his dramatic roles. Sure. Like, him being on The Shield. And I know that he was, like, in uh, a Tarantino movie. Two Tarantino movies, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I was like, okay, like, this guy is clearly a like, established dramatic actor. And then just flips the script and is just, like, playing and w just drilling down this really disgusting... <laughs> Sleazy character, so, so sleazy, just and yet at chicken fried steak, yeah, yeah exactly, of just, just crispy golden southern sleaze, yeah, and at the same time slightly sympathetic. Yes, I mean he's he's just so watchable. You can't help but enjoy his presence, as terrible as he is. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, the impression I get in general, and also from his interviews and things like that, is that he is this incredibly open and cheerful and sort of artistically interested person. And I think he's just a lot of fun to be around. Yeah, and okay. My guess is after The Shield and Justified, where he played two characters who were so dramatic and so intense and so heavy. I think uh, whenever he happened to meet up with Danny McBride, they just, they hit it off. I and guess they so. were like, let's uh, transfer your energies into a comedy and see mm -hmm. how that goes. And I, I'm so glad they did, you know? Yeah, I'm very, yeah. very thankful for that pairing. But yeah, a fantastic show. Um, I will say I thought season two, especially the final episode of season two got really really plot heavy and i feel like honestly you guys didn't need to like set up this many characters and also resolve this many crime elements the stuff with eric, eric andre, andre i felt like was a little contrived toward the end there i wish it had just been a story about them being like rival pastors yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that continuing that on instead of going into like second act hyper drive yeah. of like a heist <laughs> yeah and, you know all of this murder and mayhem and uh i feel like it's the odd show where i i would have been cool if they had slowed the pace down and, and had less plot mm -hmm. because all of these characters are just incredible to watch so episode funny. to episode yeah, what other, were there any other shows from, yeah, earlier on in this year that you were? Well, a show that just finished this year that I'll just talk about really quickly because I know you haven't seen it. I was actually watching it because uh, I'm working on a project of my own that features a historical character who 
has basically almost never been portrayed, uh, who is just like very, very obscure still in terms of being like dramatized. And uh, this show is like one of the only ones that has ever dug into them. But it's uh, the show on Netflix called The Last Kingdom. And uh, it's kind of just like my comfort food, which is historical melee combat. <laughs> Whatever that might say about me, but a show where every single main character has a sword on their hip and someone probably gets decapitated like once an episode. For whatever reason, that is my like chill out show. That is my like zone out. Lex core right there. It's not even like I would say my favorite thing. It's more the thing where I can just like have a cup of coffee and watch a couple decapitations in the morning and just feel centered. Okay, you know know what? You can never again make fun of me for saying that I watch too much severance. (laughs) Right, right, right. Get out of here. That's Phil's cup of morning Joe show is something that is just about grief and depression and being trapped in the skinner box of capitalism yeah but yeah the last kingdom that's that's that it's just i would say it's a totally solid show it's definitely uplifted in its early seasons by the cast which is just stacked with fantastic british character actors matthew mcfadden is in the pilot nice uh jason fleming pops in for an episode okay. uh this guy david dawson who is a uh, you know, very prolific uh, English character actor. I wasn't super familiar with him. I, I'd seen him in a few things here and there, but um, he plays the king of this particular region of England, sort of pre-England becoming a unified kingdom. And he's the guy who kind of has the idea of the entire island becoming okay. a single nation. Okay. And uh, he plays that role so so well you get such a strong sense of this incredibly intelligent measured person who would take the diplomatic solution anytime he could but he doesn't live in diplomatic times mm-hmm. he lives, lives in times way. when he's basically born in the wrong time. he is beset on all sides by vikings by other various types of anglo-saxons who somehow you know can differentiate themselves and want to murder him as a result and uh he's just got to like deal with all of that he's a really compelling character uh, the main actor, Alexander Draymon, he's kind of an interesting guy in that he's playing a character who originally was English. He was Matthew McFadden's son, and then he was captured by Vikings and raised as a Viking, and now he's trying to sort of chart some middle path of being somewhat English and somewhat Viking yeah. in a place where these cultures have collided and now are sort of starting to assimilate a little bit and uh he does that well because unlike someone like uh travis fimmel on vikings who seems like just this aggro kind of a meathead historical figure who just wants to like swing axes into people's faces the thing about this guy i'll say is that he's got this more kind of refined sweet himbo energy you know where it's like you still can see him murdering people day to day but he doesn't seem like this sort of not a bully completely like blinders on i just want to be soaked in blood yeah he's not mean about it yeah he just wants a casual murder right and that makes him very likable and uh he and emily cox who plays brita who is also like an anglo-saxon child who was captured by vikings and she goes full viking and basically like never 
never looks back. Okay. But the two of them have this romantic relationship through the whole series, and they have really good chemistry. And uh, I would just say it's like a super watchable show, honestly. I binged all five seasons of it in Ooh. like a couple weeks. I know. I, Dedication. I, yeah, yeah. I was I was just really into it. And I, was, right. I was watching it in part for research, as I said. But uh, it's just extremely watchable. And unlike Game of Thrones or a lot of these historical epic shows, I would say, it's one where... If it doesn't have the really high highs, it's kind of a model of consistency the whole way through. Okay. It just kind of stays solid okay. the whole way through. Um, Did you have any other shows you wanted to bring up? I mean, from the summer, yeah. not particularly. I mean, I, I will give a shout out, just a brief shout out to What We Do in the Shadows, because yeah. that came out over the summer. I think this was season four. Did you watch it? I still have okay, not okay, seen okay. a so single will, episode. Yeah, all right. So, but please, go ahead. I mean, yeah. it was interesting because they released it over the summer, and the show always felt like a fall like a fall premiere. And so mm-hmm. it came out in like July, ran through, I think, like early September. Um, it was and it was great. It was great. It was funny. Long running jokes yeah. came to some completion yeah. in like the very, very, very subtle ways, particularly between Nandor and Guillermo. And then I think also Colin Robinson again was used to perfect effect on this show. I thought it ended. It ended in like a really, really somber, somber place, which <laughs> was fitting in a sense. And I think it really spoke to like the growth of one character, and that was Laszlo. And so they did like this kind of buddy comedy with Colin Robinson, Laszlo and Colin Robinson, and it worked. Um, it's like this sweet father son dynamic, literally. And I, I loved it and thought it was like this beautiful, hilarious thing. Also, shout out to Naja for running a club. For an entire season. I know I'm ruining this for you, but it, it's no, still going to be funny. Right. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll absorb it later. Love that show. Love totally this show. Yeah. Okay, so I will ask, um, how, how do you rank the seasons? How, how do you see like the progression of quality on the show? I'll say this. I don't think it can run for anything more than like one to two more. Yeah. And if they do one more, I think I would hope that this would be the last one coming up. Not because they're running out of ideas, though. So much. No, as like it's just paying like things off dramatically. They are paying some things off dramatically, and not because they're running out of. I don't know. Like I'm of the mindset that I think TV shows should, really should not last anything longer than four to five seasons. Oh yeah, and that yeah, should yeah, be yeah. it. Like any sure. TV show at this point. Yeah, if you can get it done in three, three that's and perfect. It feels complete and not rushed. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. And so, Chef's kiss. Do I th- let me see. I would say I think. You know what? I might have to think about that. Do I think the quality is diminished? No, but I wouldn't be able to say like right off the top of my head how I would rank uh, the seasons. Wow, they're very funny. Like they're I love kind of all. They're all funny. Piece, yeah, huh? I can't yeah. really say that Damn. some are funnier than others. Yeah, I can't. I really can't. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only other show that I would mention is uh, a show that we talked about last time on the previous Are You Current, I think, and that's Atlanta. We've been blessed with two seasons in the same year. Because after five years after off, five yeah, I decided to off, come back yeah. with two seasons. And so I think part of this is the du- least he could do. Exactly. And part of this is the pandemic. We've yeah. got to acknowledge the sure. fact that COVID sure. threw a wrench into everything. But yeah, season three, I think, got this kind of like odd kind of cold reception because I think I told you like it's some of Atlanta and then part like Twilight Zone fairy tales, like creepy tales about like race racism and class i thought it was fine it's not like my favorite of the seasons i liked season two 
the best um, at this point. Season two is great. Yeah. It's a classic season. Yeah. Season three is absolutely fine. It's just not as funny. It's more weird than it is funny. And it's the kind of season that after an incredibly long gap, mm-hmm. I can just imagine people being like, oh, I just wanted more. I of wanted more of the same. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. I think season four then is like more like comfort food. It's just like, yeah. oh, this is the show that I remember. It's weird. It's still mm-hmm. like a little bit more strange than season one. But it's about as strange as season two and still nice. just as funny. Like, yeah. it is hilarious. I'm really excited to mm-hmm. see season four. Yeah. I, I need to catch up on both of those seasons. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I got to thinking about was I cannot believe that Donald Glover and Jordan Peele have not worked together yet. Oh, they will. I no, hope they that, totally like, if they don't yeah. do that in this universe, in this timeline, I, why? I They have to. It's just one of those things where it's like they're both so busy and it's just going to be a thing of like when their schedules can finally collide they've got because, to oh man yeah especially that's funny you say that too because at times i've been like oh i missed high energy like comedic donald glover mm-hmm. but like the sort of more relaxed sedate i'm letting everything roll off my back donald, donald mm-hmm. glover would be perfect mm-hmm. in a jordan peele movie just like kaluuya and no yes, exactly. who is so deadpan and calm through the most wow. wild Ooh. shit i've ever seen i can't wait for you to fucking see that movie i'm gonna see it it's easily like one of the very best movies of the year dude it's right. so good it's i'll watch it this is abby's fault that i didn't get the chance <laughs> to see it by the way you hear that abby we're calling you out even though you don't listen to this podcast we're giving you shit right now absolutely <laughs> but yes, Atlanta, if you haven't seen it, check yeah. it out. Highly recommend. Hell yeah. Quality TV. Uh, I'll just throw on one more little thing because uh, I've only seen two episodes because only two episodes have been released of this, but it is kind of a uh, end of year sensation going on right now, which is the anime. You're about to roll your eyes so fucking hard. I am. Chainsaw Man. Oh, boy. <laughs> which I will say, it's a couple of firsts for me. This is one of the first anime where I was a huge fan of the manga before the show ever came out and was following the manga pretty much like trade by trade. And it's also the first time ever where I've been aware of an anime that was being released week to week the day after it comes out in Japan in the United mm. States. And this show, dude, is so fucking good that i am actually going to be following it week to week okay simulcast from japan wow they don't even have a dub yet wow. i'm watching the sub because that's all there is man man you were getting that yeah. fresh tea this show is hilarious it's really visually imaginative in incredibly grotesque ways because it's about a young boy who has a pet demon that looks like a puppy dog with a chainsaw coming out of its face. And he basically absorbs his beloved pet's power and is able to turn into a man with a chainsaw for a face and chainsaws for hands. Oh, God. He is the worst hugger in the world, but he is just born to cause mayhem, essentially. And uh, that's the show. Wow. It's fucking wild it's hilarious but um it's a really smartly done horror comedy that i would say has its hand on the dial of both horror and comedy and uh this this will just be of some like limited interest to you but the main character's progression his his heroic journey his character development across the show and across the manga is modeled after maslow's hierarchy of needs oh nice so it basically starts with him living in squalor and starving and not having enough money for food Mm -hmm. and it progresses from there to him wanting 
slightly nicer accommodations and then wanting to get a girlfriend right. and <laughs> not even a girlfriend his his initial goal is just to touch some boobs and then possibly to be in a romantic relationship and it just progresses slowly along the hierarchy toward living in comfort wow. in a really funny way love that yeah, yeah. okay so, so right. that's all see. but yeah chainsaw man rips i appreciate that i mean we might as well talk about Andor. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we briefly touched on this yesterday, and I think we both agree yeah. it's probably the best Star Wars product in years. It's the first one that's made me at least a little bit excited about yeah. the possibilities mm -hmm. that people are working with mm -hmm. in the Star Wars universe because, God, do they have this incredible talent for making that universe feel small yep. and limited. Yep. And this is one of the first things in a while where I'm like, oh, no, they could actually play around with Absolutely. other things, with this other ideas. actually feels like, yeah. and I think they did this a little bit with The Mandalorian, but I don't yeah. think that they committed to it as hard as they have with Andor, which is, again, what you said, the idea of like playing with the entire sandbox that you've got in front of you rather than just like this one specific corner. And with Mando, I mean, as much as we liked it, uh, you, you know, hit it on the head where you're like, yeah, but they got greedy with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when I learned that the fucking Boba Fett show yeah. had one episode of the Mandalorian sandwiched yeah. into it so that they're going to drag it out like that yeah. now, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Didn't need it. Get out of here. I'm not watching that shit. Not at all. But yeah, I, I really like this series. It's tense. Again, it plays with parts of the galaxy and parts of the universe that we'd never seen before. I think the casting is fantastic. I think Diego Luna's great. I love Dylan Skarsgård. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I love so. Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma. Yeah, she's she continues great. to kill Yeah, her. all of these actors. Like, these are high-quality, just really, really, really talented performers. And it plays with this idea. Like, it makes the idea of the rebellion a very real philosophical and political struggle. Whereas right. like in the originals, it was just sort of this like, oh my God, fight the empire because they're terrible. Whereas this, it's like, it makes very clear what the empire is, how fascist it is, how oppressive it is, how corporate and bureaucratic it is. And really outlines like why like we all knew Palpatine was evil, but it's like, no, this is why he was evil. And these are the things that he did to oppress people and thus makes a really good case for why there was a need for a rebellion to begin with. And why the rebellion might have to be ruthless, ruthless too. Ruthless too. And I hate the criticism that it's like, oh, it's so adult. It's just sort of like, no, it's just actually, I guess like the word is grounded, which is a word that I feel gets overused all the time. But it's like, no, like you just took an idea and then like really made it as visceral and fleshed out as possible so that it does feel relatable for viewers. Because for the longest time, whether it was the prequels or whether it was like the sequel trilogy, so much of what felt evil in that show was just kind of like this amorphous thing that you were just supposed to accept as being evil just because they all wore black and they all looked like Nazis. And that didn't work for me. Yeah, there was a point where Rey and Kylo could have teamed up and it was kind of like, yeah, why don't, why don't you guys yeah. just try and find another way? Why don't you guys like create some gray jedis and see how that works for a bit because uh why not i'm not buying into this yeah. as uh, just a pure struggle between good these and evil anymore it, these characters are all interesting and can we like just sort of invest in them a little more mm -hmm. and i agree i think andor feels 
like it actually invests in the world building as opposed to having it be spray on details that you recognize yeah Yeah. love this hats off to tony gilroy and and crew because that's a good tv show hell yeah yeah anything else that you were thinking about man Man, I think that's about it. Is it? I think All that right. wraps it up. Yeah. I, I always love chopping it up and talking about the shows that we're watching because usually we're coming at this from two different perspectives. Yeah. Like, I love the way we just, like, cross-pollinate. I yeah. love what's going on yeah. here. Yeah, a little cross-pollination, you know? Your pistol, yeah. my stamen, you know? Hey, it's not like we're getting married in plant terms here. I'm not trying to say anything like that, bro. No homo with your pollination. Uh-huh. We're going to have to cut that. <laughs> going to have to cut that. No, I always, I so appreciate your perspective, your pollination, dude, yes. absolutely. Or pollution. Yeah, or your pollution. Or, just the pollution. or when you pollute me with that deliciously bitter bile, and I'm like, yes, that's what I come to fill for. Oh, that darkness, just let it seep into my soul, Simon and Garfunkel style. That's yeah. what I do. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I guess in conclusion, let's just shout out what we're fucking doing next because we still haven't announced it, we but, have uh, it. I know we are both on the same page now. I'm super excited to start recording these episodes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for those of y'all who are still listening, we so appreciate it. Well, Thank gonna, you. What we're going to do is we're going to try to take a bit more of an extended break and then come back with a whole season that we release on a much more regular schedule. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to all six of you out there who are still listening to this show. The loyal six. Absolutely. Yes. I feel like you should be the one to go ahead and tell everyone what it is that we're talking about next. I feel like you want to. You're chomping at the bit. I do. I'm so excited about this. I have been savoring these flavors, you know, savoring the scent of this delicious cooking that has just been going on in the next room, you know, hearing that sear, that simmer, you know, feeling those marinades just congealing and emulsifying into delicious human food because we are doing Hannibal season two as our next goat season. Yes. What an opening, what an ending, what a beautiful insane fucked up thing that never should have been on network television Mm -hmm. kind of at this point the last charge of the light brigade for fucking brian fuller you know but uh we're gonna put some respect on that name can't wait to fucking talk about it can't wait to chop it up and to get into just how fucking delicious that show makes human look It is quite the spectacle. And also just uh, all of those incredibly disturbing, grotesque, and bad vibes that we're going to get into, man. This is the most horrifying television show. And one of the most beautiful beautiful I love ever. There's so much dichotomy here. There's so much on either side, whether it's the violence paired with this clear love story. Like you said, taking what is obviously a very, very disgusting taboo topic and turning (laughs) it into beautiful chef's table-esque presentations of food yeah everything about this is like a wonderful haute cuisine and high fashion absolutely colliding (laughs) along with serial murder yeah the costuming like don't even get me started about the costuming okay let's stop talking right now we gotta stop 
because I'm getting hungry, yeah. man. The dinner bell's ringing. We're about to bring out a couple aperitifs before we get into this main course. There's been sort of a foodie metaphor running through this entire podcast, but it's about to go into overdrive. Can't wait to get into it. This is going to be fun. But for now, I will just say thank you so much to everyone who's been listening. Feel free to drop us uh, a rating and a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever other uh, podcast app you're using. We always appreciate that. Always helps uh, spread the word about the show. You can also go on to at Goat Season Pod on Instagram and find wonderful goat photography, as always, along with uh, our smattering of thoughts about the episodes and what's coming up next. I also just want to thank Janice O'Leary for our artwork, Josh Sullivan for our intro music, Battlequake for our outro, and we will see you again soon. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.